0: It's a Hokie Hangover podcast presented by Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. My name's Mike McDaniel, joined by Ricky LeBlou. No Andrew Alex this evening, but we figured we'd hit record anyway and talk about the continued struggles of the basketball team and maybe a little bit of football news. But Ricky, what's going on, man?
1: Um, I've had a few drinks. Um, I'm going to keep the filter on, though um andrew is handling more important duties this evening um that's up to him if he wants to explain that on a later podcast (laughs) it's
0: his girlfriend's birthday i'll explain it for him
1: (laughs) so um yeah we'll be we'll have the full gang back soon but um unfortunately we are gathered here again this evening to uh grieve another uh actually two two yeah virginia tech basketball losses um And I think you and I are in, I think we're in agreement on this. I don't know if there's any, any, um, any optimism left on your end, but not really pretty, pretty clear that this team is, is not tournament bound this year.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I saw that Joe Lenardi, I was watching that North Carolina game last night. We sit here recording Tuesday night, by the way, I was watching the North Carolina game last night, which, you know, to be quite honest with you, I thought Virginia Tech played well for most of the game and then just kind of stumbled the last seven or eight minutes. Um, but I, I was watching the game. I saw Joe Lunardi had us as the uh, the next four out, which essentially There's is still
1: late. the next four out. And I, I
0: just, I laughed. I was like, well, what? I mean, and, and I explained this on the last podcast, like the analytics really like Virginia Tech, but at some point you got to start winning basketball games. And since I mean, we've recorded... just Just watch the game right and and we were explaining this before virginia tech even took the court against boston college and the one thing we said was that virginia tech if you do anything in the next couple weeks just don't lose to bc and virginia tech played pretty well in the first half and then pretty poorly in the second half of that basketball game and i i really ricky we can get into specifics of each game if you want to i'd rather not because really i feel like we're just we're just talking about the same thing over and over again. Virginia tech continues to struggle to close out basketball games. Right. And they've had a lot of close losses this year. And what it really comes down to, in my opinion, is that Virginia tech is lacking a guy down the stretch of games who can take the ball, put it on the floor, get to the bucket and go get you a basket when you need it. That's what this team has been missing all year. And I think when the games are close, especially in conference play, you really see that crop up down the stretch of games and, Virginia Tech doesn't have that guy, and I really think that's the separator between Virginia Tech being like a 15-win team versus sitting here around 500 as we're at the halfway mark or around the halfway mark in ACC play.
1: What did people on Twitter tell me when I tried to explain to them that Storm Murphy was, keeping, was, was really lagging this team back? I okay
0: so i agree i agree with you that storm murphy has not been what we were hoping that he would be but i do think to some degree he's a little bit of a scapegoat right like i think this oh team... well i
1: mean don't get me wrong he like there's plenty of blame to go around right uh, yes like yes, 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 yes has been really bad for a good chunk of the season mm-hmm. uh kebe aluma uh, as as talented as he as he is of an offensive player, yep. He is soft on the defensive end. Yep, agree. Um, Justin Mutz is a bit too up and down for me. I I really love his his mentality and his physicality, but he's very very inconsistent.
0: Yes, he's tough. But uh, Darius
1: Maddox has not provided any pop off the bench so far, even though he continues to get very very limited opportunities. But the easiest way to fix a lot of your problems on the offensive end is to have a point guard who can create and can get his own shot off. And my man went one of four against Carolina. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just not that good. Yeah. And, and I, I, I keep coming back to him because a people are erroneously defending him for some reason, but B he was supposed to be the catalyst of the offense this year. He was supposed to be the engine that made it win, and he's just not doing it. You know, like Padula goes two of five, but he goes four assists, no turnovers. Um, at this point, and and, and you know, I know we're gonna get a little deeper into this as we finish wrapping up these two games, but at some point, you've got to take a look towards next year and realize that getting Sean Padula as much run as possible over their next over the remainder of the season is the best thing for the program. Um, and the same goes for guys like Darius Maddox, David and Gasson, and even Jalen Haynes, who uh my good friend and um and editor at Dulles District, <clears throat> Dave Scaringella, texted me during the UNC game and he said, Mike Young must have read your article because Jalen Haynes is in the game. And Jalen Haynes was in for one minute.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um. I. You know. Like. So. It, it just at a certain point. You know. I think Mike Young is being stubborn. Um. And that's very disappointing. Uh. Storm Murphy has not continues to not live up to the build. And I think just t- to kind of encapsulate all of Virginia Tech's issues, and I've mentioned this before, North Carolina went twenty two of twenty six from the free throw line, including fifteen of nineteen in the second half. Yeah. So Car- Carolina had more makes and more attempts from the free-throw line in the second half than Virginia Tech had in the entirety of the ballgame. Virginia Tech went 7 of 11. So at a certain point, you just do not have the ability to create on offense. And right. no matter how good your offensive sets are and no matter how good you are at calling plays and, and drawing up you know ways to get guys' open looks, if you don't have guys that can create off the bounce in basketball, you're going to struggle on offense. And that's what we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. The um, Last night, I, during the Carolina game, I did see the lineup. And we saw this briefly against Boston College as well, where Sean Padula and Storm Murphy were on the floor at the same time. And I don't think you want to play them together for extensive stretches because of the – liabilities it creates on the defensive end but i do think that the offense when those two were in provided more of the uh penetration ability at the guard spots at virginia tech simply is not getting when you're seeing a storm murphy Nahim Aline, hunter couture lineup out there uh to expand on that further uh in the last eight minutes uh sean padula and storm murphy were on the floor for basically from like just under the under eight timeout until almost the under four timeout, they were on the floor together. Um, When that happened, Sean Padula was the primary ball handler. What that did was that allowed storm Murphy out on the wing to allow him to, you know, not have so much pressure on him as a ball handler. Cause usually you see him and he's just like, he's got the ball for long stretches of the shot clock before he's passing it off. And they're, they're trying to get into their offense what that allowed Virginia Tech to do was you have two ball handlers, two point guards who can uh, get off the dribble, and now there's a little less pressure on Storm Murphy because is better at it, right? As a freshman, he's better at it. He's bigger. First of all, Padula as a freshman is big. He is a big kid for a freshman at point guard. Like, you don't see a lot of point guards coming in looking like him with his build. Like,
1: stardom. he's stardom um
0: start him or play him more like
1: one of the start two, him. no no no, no. start him
0: maybe no
1: I don't like know. The, 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 maybe. there's no reason given this team's record and their standing right now at this now, point
0: at this point right that
1: storm murphy should be getting more minutes than Sean Padula. um Padula has has played at the same level if not better in far fewer opportunities and he's going to be around next year storm murphy is not going to be around next year um, there's no need for, for Sean Padula to sit here and, and scrounge up 10 to 15 minutes a night.
0: Let's at least see what he, what he looks like in extended minutes um, and go and, and go from there. I agree. I mean, I,
1: I would rather him go out here for the next, what, what, 11 games or something like that and play really bad basketball now and then make those adjustments and grow over the offseason than him going into next year with very limited experience. Yeah, because because this offense is going to have to run through him next year. Hey, is, Aluma, he does a lot of a lot of distributing from the big from from the five. He's not going to be around Um Naheem Aline's not a distributor. Hunter Couture, we all know he is limited in terms of his ability to create. Storm Murphy is obviously gone. Sean Padula is going to have a lot of responsibility next season. And I think he's earned the opportunity to try and grow this, for the rest of this year.
0: This is going to be a very different looking team next year because Virginia Tech's not going to have Mutz. They're not going to have a Luma. Um, I mean, Patrick Wessler is going to be a true freshman. He's a seven-footer. Lynn Kidd's pretty raw, but you're hoping that he develops in the offseason. But my guess is that Virginia Tech is probably going to try to go get themselves a grad transfer grad transfer, or at least some sort of transfer to, to play, play the four, four slash five. Um, because I think Virginia Tech's going to be in pretty good shape on the wing if everybody returns now i think there's a chance that a guy like darius maddox could potentially transfer but i think you look at nahima Ali and hunter Kator. they'll likely both return uh pedula you know he'll step into to the point guard position then you have rodney rice and you have mj walker coming in as freshman and you know they're they're both four-star kids right so you know, Virginia Tech's going to have more talent at the guard and wing spots next year than they are in the paint.
1: We thought the same thing with Joe Bamisil and Darius Maddox.
0: We, I mean, we did, but Joe Bamisil and, and Darius Maddox weren't. I mean, Rodney Rice is going is like the second highest rated player in, in school history as a recruit. So
1: I, I hope. All I'm saying that, is, is that like th- th- these kids have some talent, but Mike Young has got to develop these guys.
0: They're going to have to play though that's the difference, right? So, like, you, you go back to last year, Virginia Tech had a lot of veteran guys on the wing, or at least guys who had played significant minutes, and Bamisil was, Bamisil was raw. I'm not saying that Rodney Rice and, and MJ Walker won't be raw, but, like, they're not going to have a choice but to play, I think. You know, I mean, is going to play, Aline's going to play, but if, you know, if Mike Young sees that he has a shooter on the bench um, and Naheem Aline's out there going four for 14 next year, he's probably gonna bring the freshman in right like
1: I would certainly hope so
0: you know we saw it at least at at the very least we saw it with a guy like Jalen Cone in the past where he wasn't afraid to throw him out there versus like Darius Maddox who's he's been a little bit more cautious about because I think Maddox is more raw than I think a lot of people realize um, especially on the defensive end of the floor but offensively Maddox when he's played this year has provided a little bit of a spark so I wish he got more minutes but on the other side, I see him kind of look lost defensively at times and I understand why Mike Young's not playing him a ton. But I think he does need to play more down the stretch to, you know, see if Virginia. All Tech of these guys on there. the
1: bench need to play more down the stretch. And and we can kind of transition to that part of the yeah, part of the discussion now. Cause um, you know, I, I wrote a column for Dulles District a couple of days ago. Uh, basically, you know, trying to say what I've been saying here on the podcast, which is that Virginia Tech's not going to make the NCAA tournament, not not at this rate. And, um, with that said, there is such a huge chunk left on the schedule that we need to see something from this team. We need to see several things actually. Um, and you know, we can kind of run through these bit by bit, and Mike, you can expand um if there's anything you think I'm missing. But something I've been complaining about for the last five or so games was um expanding the rotation. I mean, we've been seeing. Virginia Tech play with seven eight guys for most of the year, especially during conference play. And at this point, there's no need to have that thin of a rotation. Um, Jalen Haynes got in for a minute in this in in this game against Carolina. I'm not even I don't know if Jalen Haynes is going to be any good, but you got to figure it out on the floor. Um, he he's not going to get any better just sitting on the bench. Uh, he he's got to get a chance. Uh, I'd argue
0: I, I'd argue that like. Uh, maybe you're getting to this too so i don't mean to cut you off but i no, maybe i was just gonna say i'm almost more inclined to see david anguson
1: and john ogiaco play first like yeah no that, that, been yeah, water, you that know was I mean? that was that was next for sure sorry sorry um, go ahead no you're fine because i mean Angusan played eight minutes against carolina like what he didn't take a single shot right why i don't <laughs> yeah i don't understand you know like This is someone that we were told had expanded his offensive game and was, you know, going to be kind of a a versatile player off the bench because he's kind of a three, four hybrid at the college level. And he's somebody that can be a a bit of a mismatch and either a, he doesn't want to shoot or B they're not getting him opportunities to shoot. Uh, So Ojiako again, doesn't play in this game. I don't understand that at all. Um, because I think Osiako
0: can give you Carolina something. Carolina had
1: 43 rebounds.
0: And and Baycott had 20 of them. And yeah, uh, you and, know what? Osiako can give you something defensively that a Keve Aluma can't. I understand you got to play Aluma because it's offense. But, like, in, can in a spell? they play
1: 37 minutes? Like, that's insane. Yeah, like, in a spell. And I
0: understand Virginia Tech's lacking offense, so Aluma has to play. I'm not advocating bench Keve Aluma. But, like, in a game where you're getting absolutely bullied by Armando Baycott. And for, and look, credit Justin Mutz. Defensively, he was tough last night, man. He made Baycott earn everything that he got. But at some point, like, you, you gotta give him a little bit of help. And Kevin Aluma is not going to give you that help defensively. I feel like a guy like Ojiako can, or a guy like David Gusan, who, look, the reason why David Gusan played a lot last year as a freshman was not for his offense, it was for his defense. So I feel like He's not playing as much this year as I thought he would, especially given what he provided defensively and how the staff was hyping up his offensive development in the offseason.
1: Yep. And I mean, hell, even Lynn Kidd should get some, you know, get Give a, him a at little least bit of run. Yeah. Just give him a like. I'm not saying he needs to, you know, play even ten minutes a game, but give him a little it, bit. There has to be a way to 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 incorporate him semi-regularly into into the rotation I I know that it's hard for a coaching staff and for a a, a group of players to for lack of a better phrase punt on the season because that's effectively what we're advocating for right
0: right no yeah well yeah yes and no though because I think I think you can find some short-term this is a flawed roster and the margin for error is really thin agreed yeah okay So I think what you can do in the near term is, you know, you're not going to fix everything, obviously, because there's some stuff that just can't be fixed right now, just from a roster composition standpoint. But I think what you can do is by implementing some of these small fixes, maybe you patch some of the bigger holes up a little bit, right? Until you get reinforcements in next year. And maybe maybe play a little bit better down the stretch.
1: Maybe you get a flash in the pan and, you know, somebody gets hot off the bench, whether it be Maddox or Haynes or Padula or I don't know. the whole point is, is that what it, what they are doing at the moment is not working. Right. So do something Stop different. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Do
0: something a little different. Can I circle back to your Lynn Kidd comment real quick? Yeah. So uh, you, you know, I, I think we both acknowledge that Lynn Kidd is, is a pretty raw player, but as a prospect, you know, he was a, he was a four-star guy committed to Clemson um, didn't play a lot last year. Comes into Virginia tech has not played a lot this year, but you're telling me that Lynn Kidd is, is any more or less raw than David and Gusan was coming into the, Coming into the program last year, and David and Gusan got some minutes defensively. You're telling me you can't play lin Kidd like six minutes, eight minutes a night? Like again, Ricky, we're not advocating that he plays 20,
1: 25 minutes, but he can't help you in a pinch. Or, or even you know, play him every other game. Just get him like something, get him a chance to get some experience, and 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 give him a an opportunity to show if he is you know has some potential against ACC caliber talent. You would think that he would. Right, given kind of his, um, you know, his his track record as a, as a prospect, and for, and for all
0: intents and purposes, maybe you just lump Jalen Haynes into that that same category, right? Where yeah, yeah, you, same same deal. Just to see what you got, just to see what you got. Um, yeah, but I, I think you can find some you can find some short term fixes here by just changing it up a little bit because what you got's not working, like. But the offense we saw the final five minutes of the game last night, and, and really, to, to be quite honest with you, not only in the Boston College game, but some of these games Virginia the Tech has lost this year they have been pretty close, is you're seeing an offense that basically you got a flex cut out on the wing, you have your point guard passing it out to whoever it is, Aline or Couture, out on the wing, and then they try to dump it inside to Mutz or Aluma. They take like five dribbles and throw up a contested six or seven footer, right, and you just hope it goes in that's been the team's offense the last five minutes of games when, when the game's getting tight. And I understand you want to play it through your, you know, you want to play it through your your best offensive players and you want to play it through your bigs, but you want to play inside out, not inside only. Right. And I feel like they've just been, that's been too stagnant of an offense. It has not been working. Just do something different, right. Whether that's playing Padula. We talked about the Padula and Storm lineup in the backcourt, whether it's playing, playing them together or bring Darius Max off the bench in more extended minutes, starting a Sean Padula and, and bring storm off the bench, you know, um, you know, playing, playing Couture. And, and I don't love this lineup, but playing Couture at the one trying to go a little bit bigger, maybe that's when you bring in a, a Lynn kid off the bench for like five or six minutes and you go a little bit bigger instead of going, going real small with, with Pedula and storm. I, I don't know if any of this works, Ricky, but just try something different because this team's struggling so much offensively with, the five that starts the games and the five that finishes the games with, you know, Storm, Aline, Couture, Mutz, and Aluma, that five's not getting it done offensively consistently enough against teams that they should be outscoring. I'm talking NC State, which I get the first game was COVID, but NC State, Boston College, you got Pitt and Georgia Tech coming up. Like Notre Dame, I, I understand that that ended up on the right side of the right side of history for Tech, right? Winning that game in Blacksburg, but Tech was struggling to find their offense there, a bunch throughout that game and got hot late in that game. Um, but just find something offensively because Virginia tech should be able to outscore some of the teams remaining on their schedule just by sheer athleticism and what they have on, on the bench. Like we know Darius Max can score, right? Um, we know he's raw, but we know he can score. We know that when Naheem Moline is not given the ball with like five seconds left on the shot clock, he's given an open shot and, and given an open look. He's knocking them down. He's been better lately outside of that NC State game that Virginia Tech won. Um, Aline is shooting around forty percent from the floor of late because he's not shooting as many contested jump shots. Put him in more positions to be successful. If that means playing, you know, playing Pedula and Storm together and having um, having Aline play the three instead of the two, maybe that helps him be more successful. Just try something different is my point to get insert more offense into this thing because. I get their concerns about the guys coming off the bench um, with with their defense, Ricky. But I think you're at the point now, if you're a Virginia Tech fan and and you're you're a member of the Virginia Tech staff, where you're looking at the schedule and you're saying, there's no reason why some of these guys can't help us coming off the bench from an offensive standpoint. If our defense is just going to be average anyway, let's just go out and try to outscore everybody. That's how Mike Young wants to run his offense anyway. He wants to have guys who shoot a bunch of threes. You know, you score 80 or 90 points a game. Like, that's been the Mike Young offense at Wofford. That was the Mike Young offense the first couple of years at Tech. And it's a flawed roster, so just throw the offensive guys out there. Try to outscore people. Do something different.
1: The last point that I want to make about this roster. I, wrong? I feel like I'm no, going crazy. No, okay. no, 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 you're not. I'm ra- um, I got
0: rambly there. Sorry.
1: At this point, I would rather them play five bigs than do what they're continuing to do.
0: It literally—that's what I'm saying. Like it's—it sounds insane to run Couture out at point guard, but just to give them it, give the defense a different look because right now, or
1: or you know, on the flip side, yep, you could run something like Padula, Murphy, Couture, Aline, and Gasson, or Mutz.
0: Yeah, we saw that and, briefly last. And, and
1: you yep. just try and run, outrun everybody.
0: Yeah, that's what they I did mean, for a few minutes last night. And you know pace, what they scored?
1: Pace. Pace and space like just just try and do and again this is a point that we're both making here is do something different than what you right. are doing right um I, mike young st- is too good at least we we believe right of an offensive mind to continue banging his head against the wall which is what he's doing right now
0: right just thinking it's going to work because you've like had guys I am, who have been there before every
1: every time I watch a Hokies guard or Ford drive to the lane and then have to pull back or stop their dribble after a second or two because they can't get around the corner I just cringe because that's right. been the entire offense for the season I agree because they don't have anybody capable of trying to get to the rim so try something different and uh, yeah. Yeah. The last point I wanted to make was that Sean Padula is, is averaging less than 10 minutes a game.
0: Got to go up now. Stop it. Got to go up now.
1: Yep. Stop. Yep. It makes no sense. I, he should be, he he should be probably playing at least 20 minutes a, a night.
0: I think we're at that point now where he should be playing. Yeah.
1: And quite honestly, if he's going to start, he should be playing 25 ish minutes a night.
0: Right. I agree. I mean, I that it's been less of a issue with who's starting the games and more of an issue of who give who's finishing the games.
1: Give Storm like, a chance to play off the bench
0: or off the ball. Like the the Padula Storm lineup that that we were just talking about that you just brought up, and I was I was talking about like that lineup was successful last night against UNC. Storm looked more comfortable at the two, which seems insane in the ACC. He looked more comfortable at the two, Ricky, and and it looked. Oh well, yeah, it's it, the he, he was able to create his own shot. Right, he looked more comfortable, but the offense was flowing. He was getting the ball on the wing. He was firing it around because we know that storm Storm is really good at the hockey passes, right? Like he drives quickly, he kicks it to a guy who kicks it to another guy who makes a shot, right? That's when that's been when Virginia Tech's been at their best offensively. It's it's the hockey assist from Storm, right? Like you can get a lot more of those at the two than at the one with, with the way this offense is running right now. And I feel like running more of that lineup out there with Padula and Storm, and you don't want to do it for long stretches because you don't want to get absolutely cooked defensively, but Padula is holding his own right now. And Storm's, Storm's offense, ironically, Storm's offense has been worse than his defense, which nobody saw coming. His offense has been worse. His defense has actually been okay, considering... I think what we all thought coming into year, we're like, all right, he's going to give us something offensively, defensively, obviously a drop-off from BD. Yes, it's a drop-off from BD when Storm's in the game, right? But he hasn't been as bad defensively as he anticipated. Offensively, it's been, it's been a disappointment. But de- defensively, he's actually held his own okay, weirdly. So I, I get you don't want to play Padula and Storm in long stretches, um, but I think that's a lineup that can work if you want to go small. Or go big, right? You know, whether it's Storm or Padula, you know, go with a bigger lineup where you got David and Gusan out there with Mutz and Aluma and Couture, right? Th- then you're bigger, right? You're bigger. And then you have Storm or, or Padula running point. Just do something different. Like this offense right now where you dump it into a post, they take five dribbles and throw up a contested shot. is not going to work against ACC bigs. So they're not going to be playing Armando Baycott every night, I get that. But like, even against some teams that you should be beating the hell out. If we saw what just happened with Boston college, like Boston college is big should be popping off like that, but they did. Right. So every, there are competent players in the ACC in the post. So you're not going to be able to just dump it in, have them take like 17 dribbles and hit like a layup, just back them down, back them down, back them down and make a layup. Like this isn't, this isn't the American, right. This isn't, you know, uh, the, the whack, like we're in the ACC. Like, you cannot do that on a consistent basis. As bad as
1: the ACC is this year, it's still a, a highly competent league.
0: Yes, it's a competent league. So you're going to get everybody's best shot every night, which is why I was, I was uh, ma- making that point about that NC State win last week where I was like, it was ugly with how Virginia Tech closed that game out. But you'll take the wins on the road in conference play in the ACC. Like, there's no such thing as – there could be – a a successful and impressive road win versus like a road win. Right. But that NC state game last week, I I was disappointed with how Virginia tech played in the second half. We all were, there's no such thing as a bad road win in the ACC. You'll take it going to Boston college and playing like they did in the second half is embarrassing. If you're a Virginia tech fan, like that, that was an upsetting performance.
1: Do I don't want different. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway,
0: do something different. Virginia Tech plays Miami uh, tomorrow night. If you're listening to this, I guess it's Wednesday now, so tonight. Um, the Virginia Tech goes on the road to Tallahassee uh, this weekend. So, two pretty important games coming up here for Virginia Tech. They're all important. Just try to play better, I guess, what, is what, what we're are at now. What,
1: what percentage chance do you give Virginia Tech of going one and one in these two games?
0: Um. Oh, Miami's been Miami's been better, obviously better than Virginia Tech. They've been kind of up and down lately though, but it's been against good competition. I would say like 30%. Is that
1: high? I'm going to go I'm going to go 20. Okay.
0: That's fine. We're within that's so,
1: fine. 20 20 basically twenty, like one in four chance that they win at least one of these games
0: and if you're going to win one win the one in castle because going down to tallahassee to play against leonard hamilton Yega is a good coach too but going to two tallahassee has never been a, a place that you mean easy to win.
1: laren yega
0: laren yega well
1: it's so funny he didn't he didn't start using that until he left george mason
0: that's well, because he was in South Beach now. So you gotta I
1: know that that was my point. <laughs> yeah.
0: A little a little
1: Spanish in your life. He, he's, um, he, he was Brian Kelly before Brian Kelly. <laughs>
0: yeah. I I had no idea Jim Laren was of Spanish descent, but I guess he was. Or that man he, was in the spotlight
1: no for like a decade before he went to Miami, and not once did anyone say Laren It was Larenega. Yeah. And I all of a sudden, he goes to Miami, and he's like, oh, it's Laren Yega.
0: I mean, you heard me a minute ago. I still call him Jim Laren Uh yeah, But anyway,
1: exactly.
0: point being, win the one in Blacksburg. It's really hard to, to go win on the road I, in don't, the ACC, I don't care in which one
1: it is. Just well, at, I don't, I don't, well, win I don't either. Game. <laughs> I don't either. I
0: just think it's going to be easier to win in Castle. Yes, it,
1: it will be easier to win at Castle.
0: Yeah. So, Oh man we were
1: uh i'm just i'm 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 tired of watching the same game over and over again because that's it's, it's kind of what it feels like at this point is that it's the same issues nothing's changed um and there there hasn't been at least from my end uh i am not a basketball expert in case you didn't know <laughs> um, well it, i mean but from my end right. i have not seen a concerted effort to switch things up
0: you know what? You may not be a basketball effort, but your points are correct. I mean, I, I think the the naked eye, so to speak. I did stay point, at a Holiday Inn Express is. last
1: night.
0: <laughs> stay smart. <laughs> uh, I mean the it's pretty it's pretty obvious what the team's issues are right now because we're seeing the same issue crop up in yeah, every game.
1: It's been from start to finish.
0: It's not that this team's not competitive. The team's been the team's been competitive. It's just you get into the last five or six minutes of games and. I mean, yeah, I, I get the Carolina was up by 12 with, like, a minute. What is, to go last what is the
1: phrase that we hear in sports, period? Good teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. Virginia Tech is finding ways to lose games. Yep.
0: Speaking of <laughs> teams that find ways to lose games, you want to talk about the football program?
1: Um, I hope that they don't do that this year. Uh, well,
0: I it, it, I think it might take a year or two, but uh, uh, yeah. Shamari Connor's coming back.
1: Yes. Um, I've been relatively critical of Shamari because I get tired of watching him launch his shoulder at guys and with tackles. Um, uh-huh. It's fun when he lands one, right? Because it's a big hit. Uh, but I'm really hoping that the new staff and the new scheme will use him more effectively. Um, something I've always kind of been frustrated with, especially in the Justin Fuente era, was it always felt like Virginia Tech's safeties were in really bad shape in terms of like the, the matchups that they were being put in. It always felt like their safeties were mismatched, right? they Their safeties never had the athleticism to keep up in man-to-man. Um, I'm hoping that that is no longer the case under Brent Pry. I don't, I haven't studied Brent Pry's defense to tell you how their safeties play, but I'm hoping that Pry and his group will have obviously what they've obviously watched. a ton of Virginia tech film over the last year, plus probably to get an idea of what kind of guys they have coming in. And hopefully they will be able to put Shemari Connor in better positions, than he has been put in in his Virginia Tech career because I I think he is a talented player. Um, I think he still needs some coaching, but having him back is is certainly a boost for a a program that's going to be struggling to find experienced vets at, at any position, quite honestly.
0: Yeah. The reason why I think this is really important is because he provides a, um, I don't want to minimize Chamari Connor to a stopgap. I, I think that's a little bit unfair, but I, you understand. Effectively, I'm going that's what it is, though, it's, right? It's a it's a bridge. It's a bridge to the young guys that Brent Pry is trying to bring in and develop. Um, that's re- that's really what it is. And Shamari Connor, we know he can be an effective player. There's no question about it. Uh, so having him on the roster is a net positive to next year's team. Uh, but he can also provide. Um, that stopgap where you don't necessarily need to throw a freshman in right away or or a sophomore with limited experience in right away. And, and the more that you can do that with guys who have been around the program, I guess a new coaching staff, new scheme, all that, but guys who understand what it means to be a collegiate athlete at Virginia Tech, the more that you can bring those guys back the better. And I think that's why it's a net positive. That, that's my immediate thought because We'll see how Brent Pry uses him. I mean, Connor's going to play a bunch. There's no question about it. He will be a starter. I'll be shocked if he's not. Like he will be out there. Uh, but my immediate thought was, hey, this is going to be a really good. You know, to, to have a veteran on on that defense to help Brent Pry in year one. Is there and any chance the that he gap?
1: plays like weak side linebacker? Because we know that Pry <laughs> prefers to have three linebackers on the field. Yeah. As opposed to the, the 425 that we've seen a lot at Tech probably since 2016. Um, he's, I mean, I don't know what his build is going to look like under a new strength and conditioning staff, but in terms of skill set, I kind of feel like weak side linebacker at the college level isn't necessarily a bad place for him. Well,
0: I don't hate that. I don't hate that thought only because I, I do think pry is going to use him at places other than the nickel. Like, I don't think he's going to be in the Well, nickel. I mean,
1: well, that's effectively what weak side is, except that he would be lining up closer to the box a lot more than yes. lining up in the slot.
0: Which I think would be a lot better for him. That That's a lot better for his skill set. Um, he's more Reggie Floyd, less Mook Reynolds.
1: Yeah, Dude, <laughs> I know – I know Mook left on kind of some questionable terms, but if we're talking just football, Mook Reynolds is one one of my favorite players to watch. He was he was so unique at, at what he did, and Virginia Tech was tr- constantly trying to find a Mook Reynolds replacement once he left the p- program, and they never even came close. Mook Reynolds was on a different level at that at that nickel spot. But
0: you understand what I'm saying, though. Like, he's less of a guy that's going to go out in coverage and, oh, yeah. and be successful.
1: He, he would see, be much but, better like, as a box All That was Fox the thing linebacker. that blew my mind, right? right? Because at 180, 190, and six, uh, and six feet, Mook Reynolds was just as good sniffing out runs and filling gaps as he was covering downfield and covering, you know, receivers and tight ends. Right. Um, whereas, you know, Reggie, Shamari, those guys just haven't. They haven't held up in coverage as well. And it's because they're different kinds of players and that's okay. You just have to use them effectively. And I'm hoping that we'll see Brent Pry use someone like Shamari Connor in a different way that better suits his skills. It's a lot similar to, you know, someone that um, Andrew Alex obviously would follow very closely and Landon Collins, right. With the Washington football team, Landon Collins uh, has always been better in the box and everyone knows that. Right. Um, He's, he's basically better as a linebacker than he is as a safety. And, um, as a, as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive coach, you have to get creative with how you use your defensive weapons. Um, and I'm hoping that that's what we'll see this year, but certainly having someone who's a leader on on the team, someone who is going to know, obviously all the guys that are still there on the roster that aren't leaving the program, he's going to have the respect of them. He's a captain. Um, it's certainly not a bad thing having him around and and hopefully he'll be used um, better this year.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. Um, As of right now, as far as the football program is concerned, staff's been out recruiting Uh, David Cunningham from tech sideline noted yesterday that uh, again, this was as of Monday evening that Virginia Tech staff had gone to over 60 high schools in the past two weeks that they've documented on social media. <laughs> he went back and counted, which thanks David for doing that.
1: <laughs> God <laughs> because, bless you, man. Like David, I, David will put his head down and get some work done, but I machine, man, that that's, that's wild. But but this staff's I mean, been hitting the trail, man. Hitting the, trail. the I mean, kind of, that is the kind of legwork they're going to have to do. um yeah. I, I have uh, been clear in my opinion, at least for the last couple of years, that I am basically not paying attention to draft class until they sign. <clears throat> right. So I'm not really all that into what this class looks like until about November. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tech's got you know, some time to work that out. But again, this is the issue that every coaching staff runs into when they're in year one, is that football recruiting starts so much earlier now um, not quite as early as some of the Olympic sports, which is, you know, something we should talk about one day, but, um, you know, g- guys are getting recruited heavy their sophomore year, right? And then their junior year is a pivotal year, obviously. And a lot of guys are committed before they even become seniors. Right. Um, and so a, a lot of guys at Virginia Tech is recruiting for 2023, those guys are, you know, some of those guys are committed already. Some of the, those guys have already, Uh, narrow down their list or things like that so there are a lot of walls that have to be broken down i feel like in in year one um and really it's hard to get an idea as to what a coaching staff's ability to recruit is until really year two if we're being honest Uh, because that's more that's closer to a full cycle um but it's all about, it's all about being willing to put in the legwork, right? This is a big state. This is something that, you know, we've talked about before and um, the state is very different depending on where you go. Right. So where you're at in Nova is way different than where I'm at in Virginia beach. Virginia beach is way different than where Andrew is obviously in Blacksburg. Richmond has its own culture. Um, the, you know, kind of the Midwest part of the state has its own culture. Southwest Virginia is completely different. Um These are all things that Virginia Tech is going to have to make sure they're paying attention to the details. And, um, you know, it certainly seems like they're putting in the effort so far. They have to continue doing that. This can't be a one-off. This can't be something that they show off for for four months and then kind of slack off. And it has to get results. It has to be effective. They actually have to start pulling kids uh, that they have high on their list. Um, But it's obviously an encouraging start.
0: Yeah, definitely encouraging. I mean, it's it's nice to see the effort being put in in a way that, and
1: it's nice to see themselves publicizing it. Right, that was one. Yeah, of the things. that's so, that's my takeaway too. So, so like you you work in consulting, and part of your job is basically telling people what what to do, right? Uh, Look, yes, you, you simplified. Is, it, Yes, this is yes. this is the best practice, and you should do this, right? Yep. Like my job is public relations, right? So. One of the big things that you do, obviously, when you're running a business, is you publicize all the good stuff that you do. Right. Well, the old staff didn't publicize shit.
0: Right. Right.
1: Like no, nothing. They didn't. They didn't want to publicize anything. No good. Um, Nothing. Nothing good. Only bad. And in so much of being a college athletics recruiter these days is public relations, and um, it certainly seems like the coaching staff that Brent Pry has has brought in understands that and they're embracing it and hopefully it stays that way
0: we are just over two years removed from the justin fuente to baylor
1: thing and the the, the dalliance
0: yes actually the third article (laughs) here is the daily press article from i believe norm wood here if i'm not mistaken good
1: old norm wood i miss him Yep.
0: Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is when David Teal was still at the Daily Press. Uh-huh. Excuse me. So this wow. Yeah. David Teal. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years, clearly. But um, yeah. So you mentioned the Dalliance after Baylor Dalliance, It's Justin Fenton <laughs> committed to the Hokies, January 19th, 2020. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk about the good and the bad, right? Um, this is one of those deals where. This is good publicity when you're getting out to all these high schools, including my small private high school in Dumfries, Virginia, St. John Paul the Great. Sean Quinn was there today talking to my old football coach, Don Turner. That was pretty cool. Uh, I don't think that my high school, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think my high school has any D1 players, but they had to be talking about somebody, right, other than just a handshake. Had to be something worth his while to go there today, so. Uh, that was pretty cool to see
1: but it, and even you know, if you have schools that don't have kids well I'm sure there's some you know, so right so so, for, so just a quick story right so yep. I went to ACC kickoff when I was working for tech sideline and actually went twice I was fortunate enough to go twice it was a lot of fun if you're if you're a sports writer I would always recommend going to whatever your conferences thing is um you're gonna have a lot of fun with the guys that you work with on a regular basis anyway part of the uh the trip to Charlotte was a meet with uh, coach Cavanaugh and for, you know, those maybe younger fans who aren't familiar, Jim Cavanaugh was one of the most consequential people in the rise of the Virginia tech football program. Uh, Jim Cavanaugh played a critical role in not just coaching, but recruiting especially. And one of the things that Jim, you know, preached about when we were when we were having our talk is cav would say look um when you're going to high schools you're 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 trying to build those relationships with the people that you need to influence regarding those kids right so you're talking to teachers you're talking to guidance counselors you're talking to coaches you're talking to janitors you're talking to principals Um, it's not just going there to see the kid, right? It's going there to see the people around the kid. And even if you go to a school that doesn't have a kid that you're recruiting, you are planting the seed for future recruitments. And a lot of that stuff takes time. It takes a lot of effort. You've got to put in a lot of time to go meet the damn janitor at your school, right? But you never know when those kinds of relationships are going to pay off. And- That is the kind of hands-on detailed recruiting that schools have to engage in these days. And especially for a school like Tech that has to overcome certain uh, institutional obstacles when it comes to recruiting to a school in the middle of nowhere, the details really matter. You've got to be spot on with those things. And that's something that's got to be a part of the plan. And I'm sure it is. Obviously, these guys know a lot more about connecting with, with young, with young recruits than I do. Um, but that's gotta be a part of the plan.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, definitely seems like the staff gets it, uh, from a PR standpoint, at least in the early going from a relationship standpoint in the early going, uh, they're at least doing their best to make sure they shake hands with every high school coach in the state of Virginia, and if that's not true, it, it at least feels that way, doesn't it? It, it really just they're making also and also, their and also known.
1: right. Like you've got to come back, right? Yes. So like yeah, you, like yeah. You, like you, you meet you meet them right. They, they, they the next time they see you can't be two years from now when you're recruiting one of their kids, right? right. They need to be able to see you six months from now, right? right. They, they, yep. they need to see you during the season at one of their games. Um, those are those are the really 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 important things. And, right. um, I'm not sure if the old staff uh, took that approach, but I think the the hands-on relationships people approach is is how Virginia Tech is going to kind of kickstart. Their ability to recruit and and ultimately develop guys that want to be in Blacksburg.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, we know that the old staff had trouble establishing those relationships, right? Now, whether or not they established relationships five or six years ago and then you know kind of refused him, to follow him up, let them yeah. fall off. That's that's another thing. I mean, I I remember Justin Fuente in his introductory press conference talking about how you know he. Wanted, you know, he wanted his his staff to recruit Virginia, but that was different in action and in practice. It feels like the staff actually wants to recruit Virginia.
1: <laughs> like, at least at least so apparent. far, you know, right. like it's it's very early, and you know, it could obviously change. We've right. we learned the hard way, right, about initial impressions. Oh <laughs> with, yes, with with Justin Fuente, we did. Um, we did. So again things are going good so far. So let's, you know, just keep an eye on it and hope that things continue to, to progress in that direction. And obviously there are going to be hiccups along the way and bad things are going to happen, but you know, hopefully the general trend is up and it's going to take a lot of work. I, you know, I, I, I know these, these coaches get paid a lot of money, right? Like they even if it. you're a, even if you're a low level assistant, you're making like $250,000 a year, which, Hey, you got me beat. <laughs> good money if you <laughs> right? can get it. Yeah, good money yeah, if you can get but it. But like you said, they earn it. Like it is, it is a 365 job. You are on the clock 24-7, 365. And in a lot and, and those hours are not cheap hours, right? It's not like you're just lollygagging on your laptop. You're you're busting your ass, whether it be watching film, game planning, traveling uh, talking to parents, talking to grandparents, talking to teachers, um, all that stuff. It's a grind. And I, I, I respect the hell out of anybody who can do that effectively because it it takes a lot, a lot of effort and you have to have a a serious drive for that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're making plenty of money, so let's see them earn their keep, right? Uh, it's looked, Hey, it's looked good so far. Uh, Rick, anything else before we wrap up here?
1: Um, congratulations to you, you bastard. David Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame. Yep, uh, yeah, he is. You damn Boston fans get everything you want. Barry Bonds um, should be in too. Yeah, well, the, unfortunately, this is not a Major League Baseball podcast. <laughs> I, I, that's
0: if you want me to rant um, about why Barry Bonds should uh, be in the Hall of Fame. I got, I got time. Rick, Ricky knows I'm, this. I got I'm time. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure you and I would be pretty close on that regard. Yeah. Um, No, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, If you're in Blacksburg and, you know, you need a place to get your prescriptions or you need a place to buy some Band-Aids or whatever, you need to go to Main Street Pharmacy. Um, Jeremy Counts is obviously a friend of the podcast. He is a supporter of the podcast. Um, He is a supporter of Virginia Tech Athletics. So um, if you're interested in supporting those who support your alma mater, uh, Jeremy is your guy at Main Street Pharmacy. Um don't think i have anything else at the moment um rate review subscribe in in all seriousness just tell tell one friend about the hokey hangover um just find find like all of all of y'all have tech fans that you're friends with obviously uh find one person and and tell them to listen to one episode um get the
0: snowball rolling for us here yeah
1: like like one of the things that we're talking about my job right now is how, like, at least for for our system, historically, word of mouth marketing has always been the the most effective tool that we've had in the bag, right? And we haven't spent a ton of money on advertising in terms of a podcast, so we have spent a little bit, but ultimately the way that we're going to grow this thing and the way we've grown it thus far is by getting out and talking to folks and, and sharing it ourselves and, and speaking to, to people about what we do and uh, if if you really like the podcast, you should do the exact same thing. So um, let let all your friends know. Just let or just let one friend know, and just get the ball rolling. And uh, tweet at us if you have any questions or feedback or anything like that. Leave a, leave a review. Uh, tell me how awful I am. Uh, tell people us people have already how, done that. I know that's what I'm saying. Do it again. Um, tell us how amazing Andrew's voice is because he's got the radio thing going. Um, tell us how busy Mike is on that particular day. Chances are it's pretty busy. Um, so just promote the pod and help us grow what we're doing here because I know we have a lot of fun doing this. This is kind of a cathartic thing for us. All of us are really busy people and we have a lot of stuff going on, but this is a lot of fun that what we do.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better myself. Ricky, we'll talk next week.
1: Yes, and hopefully Andrew will be here. Hope so.
0: We'll see.